Monica Steely, Sarah Godey, and Amber Miller. You are listening to our interview with Shauna Nequist about her new book, Present Over Perfect. Please visit our website, www.bestillbefree.com, to enter to win a free copy of Present Over Perfect. Also, we would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and rate our podcast. This helps us move up in the ranks and helps people to find us in the iTunes stuff. I don't know what to say. In the iTunes. So, okay, I'll just jump in and rescue Amber. Everyone have grace for Amber. She's exhausted. Um, so in iTunes, the more podcasts are reviewed and rated, the more visible that they get in the featured sections, in the um, note news and noteworthy sections and whatnot. Um, and we just really want others to be able to find us. So this isn't about us wanting a review for the sake of um, stroking our ego, but just if you've been blessed by Be Still Be Free in the Bcast, then if you give us a good review, other people might be able to find us too. So we just really want to encourage everyone to go leave a review. Um, and today, as Amber mentioned, we are talking to Shauna Nequist. And for those that may not be super familiar, um, get out from under the rock. And then also she is an author and a speaker and she's written um, like incredible, incredible books like Cold Tangerines and Bittersweet. And we had interviewed with her. Saver. Yes, just like a year or so ago for her new devotional, Saver. Um, and we're just excited to have her here today to talk about her newest book, Present Over Perfect, Leaving Behind Frantic for a Simpler, More Soulful Way of Living. And I don't know that there's anything more be still be free than that concept. Yep. So without Amen. further ado, here is Shauna Nequist. Um, so Shauna, I wanted to ask you, this is Amber here. Um, sort of what inspired you to write, uh, present over perfect and kind of what was going on in your life whenever you were inspired to write it? Um, you know, I, um, found myself at a place in my life where things felt, um, I had an idea of what I wanted my life to be like. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, it's not anything how I thought it would be. I, I wanted my life to be really marked by, really close relationships, really connected to my husband and my kids, really connected in my neighborhood and full of rest and grace and play and laughter. And all of a sudden I realized I'm not any of those things anymore. I am really organized and really efficient and I'm working really hard and I've built a set of responsibilities and requirements and expectations that require me to live like I'm like I'm um, running a military operation or something. The complexity mm. of the details and and the deadlines in my life um, became so much larger and heavier than I could carry anymore, and I just was mm. exhausted. Mm. How did that manifest in like physically or in your relationship with your husband or your kids? Like, what is what was it looking like on an everyday basis? I mean, I. <sighs> I was just, I don't know if you guys have been in seasons like this. I was just fried. Um, mm -hmm. I would say one thing I noticed, and maybe this is true for all people. It's definitely true for me. Um, when I'm rested, both in terms of just sleep and 
um, margin. And when I have a decent night's sleep for a couple nights in a row, my fuse is pretty long. <laughs> yeah. Um, like minor annoyances don't like throw me into chaos. But when I'm sleep deprived for like, you know, like three years, um, <laughs> my, I, I, it felt like everything, it felt like there were just landmines everywhere. I was short with everyone and most of all myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was like, things were stacked so close on top of each other that if one thing was running 10 minutes late, my whole thing fell apart. And so I was always rushing the kids. I was always rushing my husband. I was always trying to get people to do things faster because I mm. had put too many things into our schedule. Um, and I didn't have, I kind of lost the ability to be connected and slow and present on a deep level. And I really regret that. Mm. Yeah. What would you go back and um, tell yourself, like in your, if you could go back today to like who you were in your twenties, like what would you tell yourself then in order to prevent that from happening? That's a great question. I think that one of the biggest things that I struck upon, so I picture it sort of, um, you know, this whole process for me is about three and a half year process, but it was was almost like peeling an onion Mm -hmm. and you start with one, you know, one whole aspect of it and then deeper and deeper and deeper. But one of the big things I struck on is I, at least for me, maybe for a lot of us, um, we think that this is just sort of how life is for everyone. And we think this is how it has to be. And we stop believing that we actually have authority and an agency to decide how we want to live. Yeah. yeah. We just kind of shrug our shoulders and there's that phrase like, what are you going to do? You know, I, get, I mean, I guess this is just how modern life is. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. It is if you let it. It is if you believe a lot of those myths about what will really make us happy and deeply content. And what I found is a lot of the myths I believed um, – led me to a point where I was not happy and content in the ways that I wanted to be. I was disconnected from myself, from God, from the people I loved most, but I was very productive in my work life and in my home life. Mm. And um, that wasn't as valuable to me ultimately as I thought it was going to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I think one of the um, questions I would have for you is with all of us here at Be Still, like we really try to connect with all kinds of women, all stages of life, working moms, stay-at-home moms, you know, not a mom, married, not married. And I think when um, new books come out, um, we look at someone like you, Shauna, and we think, oh, but she is, I mean, she's a speaker and she's an author. And so her busy and my busy look two different ways. And her life and my life looks two different ways. And, you know, that's just the lie of Satan trying to make one person feel like, um, their story just doesn't measure up. I know you talk about comparing and so forth. And I think what would be great is if, if there was one thing that you could tell all of your readers and all of your listeners, no matter what your busy looks like, you're busy and my busy are busy. Um, what would your encouraging word be to them not to compare what their busy looks like to your busy? Oh, I think that's such a fundamental, such an important topic. And I think actually what got me into this mess is one of the things that got me into this mess is that I compared myself to someone who was able to do a whole lot more than I could. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of this process for me is I had four very serious conversations, one with my husband, one with my dad, one with my mentor and one with my small group. Mm-hmm. And my dad, I am so he's pastor. I adore him. We're very close. Um, but he gets stuff done. I mean, he, he works more in one day than most people do in one year and he <laughs> travels a lot and he's very productive and he writes books. And, he, and I think I just, uh, 
I respect him so much. And so I wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. And I ran myself absolutely ragged trying to live at his pace. And then finally there was one night, I, mean, I remember like clear as a bell, I was standing in my kitchen. Mac was very young. He was a baby. And right as my dad was walking out the door, I said, Hey dad, one more thing. I, um, I'm so tired. It sort of scares me sometimes. Like I, I can't get over this. I, something has been compromised inside of me and I can't live this way anymore. And it was so hard for me to say that because I wanted to show him how tough I was and how hardworking I was, Mm. but he put his hands on my shoulders and his eyes filled with tears. And he said, Oh, I'm so relieved. I've been waiting. Wow. I've been waiting for you to give yourself permission to live your best way, the way God made you. And I'm here to help you figure out a new way. That is so awesome. Mm. Wow. And I think, and so I think one of the real important things to remember in all this is um, we were made so differently. And so our lives should look different from one another. Mm -hmm. Some of us Mm. are made, made to be really fast. Some of us are made to be just a touch slower. Mm -hmm. Some of us love complexity and logistics and lots of coming and going. Some of us prefer a much simpler, slower life. And none of those are wrong. It's how we were made. The other thing I would say is I understand what you're saying, that there can be this like, well, you know, her, her busy is all about like flights and airports and stuff. But so, for example, my cousin Amanda. She's like uh, mid thirties. She's single. She's an elementary school teacher. And so it'd be easy for her to be like, oh, you know, what Sean is talking about, what I'm talking about are two totally different things. Mm -hmm. Amanda is not married, doesn't have kids, doesn't have like a flexible freelance creative career, doesn't travel for work. But here's the deal. She has to decide which committees she's going to volunteer for. She's going to decide how much after school tutoring she's going to do. She has to decide whether or not she's going to run a marathon again this year. She has to figure Mm. out her volunteer role. She has to figure out when to take time for herself and when that look, what that looks like in the rhythm of a busy school year. So it's just as easy for a person with a structured job, without kids, without a spouse, to find themselves totally isolated and exhausted because of the commitments they've made. Mm-hmm. Say, it can happen to my cousin Amanda the same way it can happen to me. It can happen to any of us. And it's not about work or publicity or anything like that. It's about um, trusting that it's okay to rest. Mm, and it's great. okay to listen to your own body and your own spirit and the way that God is working in your own life. Mm. Mm. Love that. So describe to us the freedom that you have experienced from God in your life today since you've taken the time to be still and be present and like really own your life instead of trying to take on somebody else's. Like what does that freedom look like for you now? Well, one of the practices that really helps me is every morning and every night, I practice just a couple minutes of centering prayer. A lot of times centering prayer is like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I mean, I do like three but, um, <laughs> I'll, but I'll take it. Um, and essentially what I do is I picture a red heart and that's God's heart for me. It's like, like how a kindergartner would draw it, just a perfect red heart. And I let God remind me through prayer that there's nothing I can do that day to earn any more of his love. I already have it. And there's nothing I can do that day to ruin it or squander it. It's there. And it's not about me. It's about him. Mm. And that love has existed since before I was even created and will exist for all people who walk on this earth after I'm gone. And once I start the day in that place before my feet even hit the ground, 
then I'm really free, right? Yeah. I can go throughout my day. I can connect with people. I can read a great book. I can uh, play with my kids. I can, whatever it is, I can, I can meet a writing deadline or ask for more time. But my love and my worth have already been settled by, mm-hmm. be, because of a holy God who created each one of us, not because of anything I'm doing or not doing. And for me, that changes everything. I oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shauna, I was just recently, um, reading through C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. Have you read mm-hmm. that? I have. Is it it's not great. so good? I love that. I love it. So much. Um, but there's a chapter where he talks about like presence and, and what, and how, um, presence is like the closest thing to eternity. And I'm wondering if since, uh, you've embraced this journey of being present. If you have felt like you've been able to tap into um, eternity and God's presence, just permeating throughout every aspect of your life a little bit more than before. Um, I would say I have had some of those moments and I look forward to having even more. I don't know if you've ever done like, if you've ever done like a, if you give up sugar for a while, yeah. mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like if you've gone for a whole week without like regular white sugar, a strawberry is like the sweetest thing you've ever had in your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm sort of finding that like um, what truly brings me great joy and, and deep happiness is a lot simpler and mm. quieter and more ordinary than what it used to be. Yeah. Mm. Um, because I'm paying attention to it and I'm not just racing through it. I, I missed some of the most extraordinary experiences because I was just fried. Yeah. yeah. And now things are less, uh, you know, I work a lot less. I travel less. I speak less. My life is quieter and slower and smaller and simpler. And I have never been so deeply contented in all my life. Oh, that's so I had fantastic. a mentor that used to um, say that she would she would always encourage me to pray this, like, just ask God to give you the full flavor of those special moments. And that's, mm-hmm. it, that sounds like what you were just describing, like just getting that full flavor of just even those littlest moments in your everyday life. I love it. Well, and I think, you know, some of what it is, it's the law of diminishing returns. If you pack 37 things into your day, you are categorically unable to truly be present for 37 different things. Right. Yeah. But if you work really hard to learn how to say no, to learn how to disappoint people, to really listen to God's voice telling you who you are and who you're not and what your limitations are, and you decide to have three experiences in a day, you get, you get to be there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so much more valuable than being halfway there for 37 things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, what I is think, your – oh, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I'm sorry, Monica. Um, I think that you, you tapped into something that was really interesting to me, and I think it would be good for all of our listeners to hear too is um, – I just want to have a little bit of a spiritual spin here is, you know, again – not that, that, you know, we put you on this pedestal or whatever, but you do have a public figure and a public voice and people, you know, know you and are recognizing you. And, um, I think when you hear, oh man, Shauna is speaking less and traveling less and she's not doing as much, even though she's doing that all for Jesus. Right. I mean, she's, she's a, uh, inspirer to women for God and spreading the gospel and yada, yada. So if Shauna can do that, I can do that. If she's given her permission to do that, I can give myself permission to do that. But what's the spiritual take on this? Like, what did God speak to you? How how can you kind of back this up biblically? So women are thinking this isn't just an opinion or a feeling. 
but it's actually really the sweetness of what being still is really all about and why God gave us that command to live in obedience because he knew the protection around that. And I just like them to kind of hear that from your mouth. You know, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm not a Bible teacher, but what's funny about this topic is I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's the Exodus one. There's the Job one. There's the one in the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, like this is, I'm so passionate about this. And I've, mm-hmm. I've, you know, this has been the major learning of my life in the last couple of years. So, you know, I mean, I think we can look at, so, you know, um, a lot of times people ask me to teach on hospitality because I love cooking and food and gathering people. So everybody asks me to teach on Mary and Martha. Yeah. And, and what is that story about? It's not about hospitality. It's about being present. Um, the one who's kick and tail in the, in the kitchen, the hospitality one is missing the most important thing. And so mm-hmm. I would actually say it is a story about hospitality, but it's giving us two very ver- different versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mar- Martha is practicing what I would call like a hollow or an imitation hospitality, right? She's, um, she's performing, um, and Mary is being with, and Jesus tells us that mm. she is doing the one thing, the most important thing, right? I, like as a hospitality person, I hate that story. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, really? Must be nice, Mary, to just chit chat with Jesus who's making sandwiches, you know, like I'm the one who makes the sandwiches, you know? Um, but it's such a good reminder for me that when I have people in my home, they don't need my sandwich as much as they need my kindness, my oh. full attention, my listening. Um, and so I think one of the things that I've been trying to do lately is um, every time I say yes to something, if I say yes to something, the question is, can I do this with a spirit of great love? Mm. If if I have, if doing this thing will push me into hustling, earning, multitasking, um, all that kind of that proving way of living, then I say no to it. But if I can do it with a clean spirit of great love, if I can be fully there connected to the one most important thing, which is people, then it's something I can do. And that that's different for all of us. You know, the other thing I think of is there's this verse in Job that I just love and it's, um, and you know, it's essentially God said to the snow, just fall down like the snow. And God said to the rain, fall down in a mighty downpour. Um, so once you do the hard work of figuring out what you are, are you a snowflake? Are you a raindrop? Are you a tree? Are you, all you have to do is that thing. You don't have to, you know, twist yourself up in knots to be all these other things. The snow's job is only the snow's job. And the rain doesn't have to be responsible for the snow and the trees don't have to be responsible for the rain. So for me, a lot of it is just saying, you know, I, I one of my favorite things to do when someone asks me to speak in an event and I realize it, speaking there will not enable me to live that's with that spirit of great love. Um, I say no. And then I send them a whole list of speaker friends that I would be delighted for them to have hmm. because God's work is not just mine to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't all have to be done by me. And there's a really funny kind of vein of ministry that says, A, if the fruit is good, it doesn't matter what it's doing to your life. Yeah. Um, and also uh, that, yeah, that um, even if you hate it, if there's fruit, you should do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I see that like on the cross. I don't see that in every single other, you know, Jesus rests. He yeah. says no to things. He has, um, there are, there are things people want him to do all the time that he says, no, that's not mine to do right now. And I think, um, we sometimes think that because Jesus sacrificed on the cross, every, that every part of our life should be up for sacrifice all the time. 
I don't yeah. know if that's exactly what he's calling us to. Mm-hmm. One of the things, you know, I meant, you know, a ministry kid, a pastor's kid. I have seen so many pastors lay their family on the altar of their ministry, right? right? Yes. Um, I'm not going to be Preach one. it. I'm not yeah. going to be a writer whose children are aching for her to come home and pay attention to them, but she's too busy telling other people about the wonderful life that Jesus calls them into. The I won't do it. Amen. And so, um, Amen. I think uh, if the fruit, if the good fruit is coming from your life, it has to be coming from all the parts of your life. It has to be coming from your living room and your dining room, as well as your pulpit and your book sales and your conferences. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. That's really freeing then to say that, um, you, you get to care about the insides of life. You get to care about your own soul. You get to care about your kids. You don't have to sacrifice it all, um, on the altar of ministry or of doing Jesus work. I don't think that's what he's asking from us. Right. I think that just freed up so many people. I know it did me personally too. And just, you know, we, we tell people all the time, like busy is just not a badge of honor. And you know, it's, if you're not, if you're not doing the things that God is calling you to specifically for this time, then busyness and running yourself ragged is doing nobody any favors, least of all yourself. Um, so I just love everything that you said there. I love it. And one of the things that I had wanted to ask you, but you actually answered that was just like, what, process and criteria you use to say no to things. Um, cause like personally, and I think I know some listeners of ours are in this place too, of like, there's a lot of good things coming my way, but they're not necessarily God things. And I'm in that process of wrestling through, like, is it okay to say no? Can I say no? Or should I just go ahead and say yes? And just really kind of struggling with that tension. But I love your, your filter that you use yeah. for that. And I would say, you know, a couple more practical things. I never say no or yes right away. Um, I always ask my husband. I most of the time ask my best girlfriends and a lot of times my parents just for their take on it. And a lot of times they'll see something that I don't see. Um, So they'll either see like, uh, I'll be like, no, I don't want to go. And they'll be like, you know what? I totally get that. But I think there's an important opportunity here. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or I'll be like, I should, shouldn't I? And they're like, nope. You don't have to do that. So having a group of people who understand my criteria help reflect it back to me is really Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, you know, there's this kind of idea in anything with um, speaking, publishing, any kind of content production that you have to strike while the iron's hot, um, that, that if you get an opportunity, you have to take it. And the only people who have long satisfying careers are the ones who take all those big opportunities. Um, I'm betting everything that that's not true. Um, I, uh, because if I took all of those things, it would be at the direct expense of my body and my soul and my family. Yeah. Um, and so I'm choosing to believe that I can have a long, durable, creative career by saying some yeses and some nos, by having long deadlines, by disappointing people sometimes and having hard conversations. But I'm, I'm choosing to believe that the most important thing is not striking while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It will be hot later if I need it to be. Mm-hmm. I love well, it. I want to kiss your face for saying yes to <laughs> writing this book. <laughs> well, okay, so that's one of the things, though. Writing is um, writing is a yes for me. I love writing. Yeah. It brings out good things in me. It doesn't throw my life out of whack. So some people, like I have a couple of friends who are writers who hate writing. They hate it. <laughs> it some bonkers, right? I love it. I will, I will write books as long as anybody ever lets me. It, it's, it's a good way for me to live. Um, and, but, but, but I'm trying to get my other friend to like give up her contract. Like if you hate this, 
listen to your life and do something else. Yeah, oh, it's so good. So, and it's listen okay for those things to be different. I have a friend who um, thought she was going to be a writer, um, put several years into developing a blogging platform, wanted to write um, a book, and has um, a friend invited her to, to join her podcast. Podcasting is her jam. She loves it. Yeah. She never thinks about the book. She is so absolutely captured by this medium, <laughs> by creating content in this way. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, part of the reason that it's really important to slow down and pay attention to our lives is to let uh, you know this amazing Mary Oliver poem, um, let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Ooh. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I love that. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk 100 miles on your knees repenting. You just have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And I think a lot of times we're moving too quickly to notice what we love and don't love. So for years, I did this insane traveling schedule, speaking, speaking, speaking. And then finally, like after almost 10 years, I was like, hey, guess what, guys? I hate this. (laughs) Right? I I didn't even know. I was like the last one to know. Um, and it, and it felt very bad. I felt very guilty saying that. Um, I felt like I should love this. Other people would love this. Uh, it took me a very long time to say this is not my favorite thing. And I still yeah. will do it in some situations. But my other criteria is it has to be in the context of relationships. Um, I don't do the in, out, in a car by myself, in a hotel by myself, never talk to an, a living human. Um, yep. We're, the, we're doing this tour this fall. And literally the only reason I even took the phone call with the woman who asked me about it was because she said, we're building something uh, entirely built in the context of relationships. We will be a family mm. to one another. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to spend more time alone in green rooms, but because these are some of my oldest and dearest friends, people I've known for, you know, like 15 years to get to do this together makes sense because it's about relationships. It's about connection. It's about family. That's great. Absolutely. Well, Shauna, um, how can people connect with you and learn more about present over perfect? Um, well, present over perfect is available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, independent bookstores. Um, and then my blog, my severely neglected blog, is, <laughs> um, com. And then on Instagram and Twitter and Instagram's my favorite. It's just at S Nequist. And I'm on Facebook as well. Well, that is awesome. And we're going to give away a copy, um, of your book to a lucky listener. So, um, they can also enter in to win a copy of that. And this has just been such a treat, Shauna. Like yes, every, it's just been you. like, we took a huge breath of fresh air and just, I don't know, this has just been really refreshing. I know everyone that reads present over perfect is just going to walk away with like this huge exhale of yep. just freedom. I just really um, believe it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bye Shauna. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that interview with Shauna. I hope that you guys just were able to listen and just receive some permission to put down some stuff in your life and to just walk freer and um, to just enjoy being still a little bit more. Uh, we want to give away a free copy of this new book to a lucky listener. So make sure you go to bestillbefree.com to enter to win and um, make sure to visit shaunaniquist.com to find out more about Shauna. And we just love y'all. Don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review so that others can find us easily. Uh, Does anyone else have anything they want to close with? 
Sounds good. No, I think that's good. Monica's going to take over as the host from now on. Listen to her <laughs> pro. She's a pro, y'all. We're, she, she's we're got weak. it together. <laughs> no, we're just, it's like a marriage where one is weak, the other picks up. Uh, <laughs> it's it. Um, love y'all guys. Enjoy the episode and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.